Well, my assignment as your pastor over the, over the weeks as it pertains to our prophetic word that we're standing on is uh, about the, the new door and about supernatural increase like never before. And what was in my heart and what the Holy Spirit kept speaking to me, even starting way back in September uh, when Annette and I were in South Africa, was just that word simplify. You know, we can get so busy. We also can get so religious. We can be, have so many traditions. We can be so busy and we can, we can think that, that minor things are major things. And then look at major things and think they're minor things. And that, that's how the enemy works. He, he wants you to focus on the minor things. You see, we know from the word in, in 2 Corinthians 4, it says the things that we see are temporary. But the things we don't see are eternal. And, and so what we need to make sure that we're doing is simplifying our lives. And what does simplify mean? It means to reduce down to the basic essentials. What are basic essentials? They, those things are priorities. Um, another word would be vital. You know, you know, vital signs. Those are, those, you know, if that's why they check your vital signs because they want to know your quality of life and what's going on because, because those things are of necessity. And, and so often in life, we can get so busy, our hearts cluttered with offense, unforgiveness, anger towards other people. We can get inundated with reports from the enemy. We can, there's all sorts of things that can come into, come into our view, come into our hearts. And, and we can get so busy on the inside that we let go of the important things. So we're getting simplified. And what we've been dealing with so far is simplified. Who are you with? Not simplify who you're with, but simplified. Who are you with? Who are you running with? Who are you walking with? What is your focus on? What are you surrounding yourself with? And so over the last several weeks, I talked out of the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. If you could go ahead and put that on the screen in the Amplified, Penny. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. So Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10 in the Amplified. Let's read this together. If the axe is dull and the man does not wet the edge, he must put forth more strength, but wisdom helps him to succeed. Now, we've been talking about this aspect because we get so busy in life, it can cause us to be dull. And if we're dull, we're not effective. If we're dull, we won't have much influence. And if we're dull, we'll try to work harder instead of smarter. If I just hit this a little harder, if I just hit this a little harder, if I just do this a little bit more, if I just, just, just keep doing, just keep doing. But the point is what he says here, it says, if the man does not wet the edge, he has to put forth more strength. So what we see here, the issue in our lives of being dull or sharp has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with man. It has everything to do with, do with you and I. And it says we must wet the edge. What does wet the edge mean? The word wet, W-H-E-T, means to polish. It means to sharpen. It means to shine. So how do you, so what are you doing as you're shining something or, or you're sharpening? You're rubbing against another surface. You're rubbing against another surface. So, so what's going to make you dull and what's going to make you sharp is going to depend on what are you rubbing against in life? 
What are you rubbing up against? What are you allowing to influence your life the most? What people, what relationships, what information are you allowing to bring friction into your life? Because it's either making you dull or it's making you sharp. So there's things that you can rub against that are going to dull you. And there's things that you rub against that's going to sharpen you. And so we've been dealing the last several weeks with, with this, with the word. Rubbing against the word. You know, they wouldn't let me bring my ax today. They said, Pastor Justin, you're, you're looking a little dangerous with that. <laughs> Nikki's like praying, just put it down, Justin, put it down, put it down. <laughs> but it's important. What, do, what words are you meditating on? What words are you listening to? You know, last week we, we talked about in, in Proverbs 4 where it says, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Then it tells us why. Why? Because they're life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And we define that word life there and it means prosperity, happiness, and welfare. So the important, the important, <laughs> the importance of this is... Is it's what it's about tending to that word. It's allowing that word to be a be valuable in my life, and when I attend to it, when I'm holding to it, and I'm inclining my ear to it because it's valuable, it's going to be life to me. Amen. And I don't have time to go into what we dealt with last week, but let's look at Proverbs chapter six. You can always go on and go to either SoundCloud, iTunes, or YouTube, and go back and listen to. The messages of the house. But in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, it says, My son, I'm reading the Amplified, my son, keep your father's God given commandment and forsake not the law of God your mother taught you. Remember, everything we're dealing with, this rubbing against, has to do with what are you in relationship with? What are you in relationship with? You know, in Proverbs 4, it said, my father, my son, attend to my words. Here, we're seeing, again, a relationship between a father and a mother. And we're seeing the understanding that, that the son needs to pay attention to the words that are coming out of the mother and father's mouth. And the, point, the importance of that's not just a natural thing, but that, that is a spiritual thing. But he's, but he's saying, what is the mother and the father saying? But they're saying what God's saying. Do you see that? Because it, it says here, it says, it says, my son, keep your father's God-given commandments and forsake not the law of God. It's the law of God your mother taught you. So these are words. How do you teach? You can only teach with words, words and examples, words and examples. So it's so important for the relationship of the son or the daughter to connect with and receive the value of the words of the mother and the father. So if there's daughters and sons in this place, you need to value your parents' words. But as for the mother and father, first of all, you have to value the father's words. Do you see that? So it's the mother and father connecting with, with the father's words. So then the fa- so then the mother and father can turn around and impart those words to the son or the daughter. And it's connecting with that, those words. Now, then it says this, verse 21, bind them. Bind what? The words. Bind them. 
continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. Man, bind them. Tie. See, this was, this was something valuable and it was something that was important. Meaning, meaning this is so important to your life, you always want to have it in view. You know, if you go back and look at Jewish tradition, not only did they do put, make little boxes and they put them around their, back, their neck with different scriptures and things that would resonate with Hebrew names and those things, but they also had a, had a thing that was called a mishorah. I might be saying that wrong, Linda, but they would put it on the side of their doorposts. And, and what they would do, right, right, how do you say it? Mezuzah. That's what I say. It. Thank you for correcting me with my, with my Hebrew. And, and so what they would do is they put it on the, the doorpost as they go in. And why? Every time they would go in and out of that door, they knew what that family stood for. And they knew what they stood for was the word of God. So, so they, they put it in everywhere they could see it. They put it, on the, they put it on the tassels of their clothes. They put it on so many different things. Not because so they could look religious. That wasn't the point of it. The point was it so they could always know what does God think about this. So this was, we're speaking of value here. These words that are coming from the mother and the father that are coming from the heavenly father. Then it says this, verse 22, when you go out, when, when you go out, they, the words of your parents, God do what shall lead you when you, when you sleep, they shall keep you. And when you waken, they shall talk with you. Wow. Man, so there needs to be something that, that, that we, our heavenly father, that we, this word needs to be so valuable to us. It's, it's when we're coming out, when we wake up, you see that when we go to sleep, you shall, it shall keep you. And when you waken, it shall talk with you. Meaning, meaning this word is so on the inside of you that everywhere you go, this word is speaking back to you. Do you see that? No, because really what this part of the, the series so far is about is how much value are we placing on the father's word? I can't treat this as just any book. I, you can't treat it as a dead letter. You have to treat this. This is life to me. It is hell to all my flesh. It, it's going to direct me. It's going to guide me. Hallelujah. Verse 23 for the commandment. Now we can just replace that because the commandment is what it's a word, right? For the word is a lamp and the whole teaching of the law is light and reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Now think about that. Why, why do I need to bind this about my, why do I need it to speak to me? Why? Because it is a lamp because this word is a light. And what does it do? It's reproofs, meaning this word is going to correct me. This word is going to direct me, is going to, it's going to knock off the rough edges. It's, it's, it's going to be like, you know, you, you're sanding something down. That's, that might be friction. We don't, we don't like friction. We don't, we don't like things to rub us the wrong way, but you know what? We have to understand that as believers, as, as God's children, we need to receive the friction that comes with the word. Cause you know what? I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be the same a year from now. I want to be different. And it's this word that's going to direct me. Now let's look at verse 24. Now, now I want, really want you to see this because all this has to do with the word verse 24. What is this word? 
It says it's to keep you from the evil woman. You see, if you have the right words, it will keep you from the wrong things. Now, to keep you from the evil woman, now get this, from the flattery of the tongue of the loose woman. Now, now immediately a lot of your, everyone's mind, well, well, okay, they're talking to men here and talking about adultery and that, that, we, that ties into that. But what I want you to see is the value of words. Because it's his words that are going to keep you and it's the evil woman's words that are going to destroy you. The question is, what words are you entertaining? Because the words are either going to bring life to you or they're going to bring destruction to you. See, it's the flattery of the words. See, that's how the enemy works. That's how he, he tries to speak to you to get you what he doesn't want you to, to fulfill your purpose on in your life. So that's why we need to make sure that we're rubbing against this word because this word is going to change us from the inside out. You know, Psalms one, uh, Psalms one nineteen says, tells us the word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This word is a light light. This word is a lamp. And what is it meant to do is to keep us from following the other words. We have to value this word. Let's go to James chapter one, James chapter one. Thank you, father. Thank you, Lord. Say, thank God for the word. Man. Are you still reading through the book of John? be in chapter four, chapter 14. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. James chapter one. Now remember what words are you listening to? Because the words either can lead you down to wrong temptations or the words can give you life. Now let's look at this because in James one, he deals with temptation, but he's also, I want you to see how temptation And the words that you're hearing go hand in hand together. Okay? Because it's so important what you're entertaining, what you're listening to, who you're allowing to influence your life. Because it was the evil woman's flattery tongue that was going to lead that man in the wrong direction. Okay? Do you see this? The value of words. Now, let's look at this in verse 12. Blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands, stands up under temptation. Blessed is the man. See, we're all going to face tests. We're all going to face trials. The enemy's always going to come with different words. But it says, blessed is the man that stands up under temptation. See, you can be strong. Don't, don't let the enemy convince you that, that you don't have what it takes to be victorious in life. You're not a failure. You're not ignorant. You're not a loser. See, that's why the word is so important because it frames, it frames our hearts and who we are. The way God sees us. 
So blessed is the man that stands under temptation, for when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God had promised to those who love him. Then verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted. Now get this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. God just tested me with, with temp- he's just testing me with alcohol. He's just testing me with women. He's just testing me with anger. No, he's not. The enemy's trying to kill you. I like, oh, that's right. I like that. I like, I like that. So it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil. And he himself tempts no one. Some of you, that might've been just some, some sacred cows just got knocked over right there. He tempts no one. Now, then it says this. But every person is tempted when. So now we're knowing how, when, are men, when are men and women tempted. Every person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed and baited by his own evil desires. See, how are you led away and enticed? By wrong words. Wrong, wrong concepts. Wrong perceptions. How, how you think marriage should be, how you think sex should be, how you think money should be, how you think God should be, how you think your path, the, the, this wrong thing. And so what happens, you're led away by some other words. Okay. Do you see that? So, so the, the temptation that you might be facing and needing to overcome, what you need to do is make sure you rub more against right words. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for pastoral anointing this morning. Thank you, Jesus. But he's drawn away by his own lust. It says, and what then the evil desire. So you're drawn away enticed by words. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully matured, brings forth death. So here, what are we, we're seeing a progression. We're being enticed by words. Then what happens, those words make you make a decision. And what happens, those, those decisions then take you to a course that's not going to be life to you. Right? And then it says this in verse 16. Do not be misled, my brethren. This is a warning. Don't be misled. So what I want you to see, how are we going to be misled? By listening to wrong information. Rubbing against the wrong information. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I just wish I could just preach one of them jump and shout messages. But but I'm telling you, we understand this, man, you will jump and shout. And all of a sudden you, all of a sudden you, you step in a newfound victory. You never thought you could step in. All of a sudden things change in your family. Things change in your life because you stepped over those barriers that have held you back for so long. There's, there's things, there's things in me that I've got to break in my life and it's none of your business what those are, right? So, but the thing is, is it's what I I need to do. Make sure I need, 
I, I need change in my life. So where am I going to find it? In the word. In the word. Don't be misled. My beloved brethren. Man, what a statement of compassion. It's because I love you. I don't want you misled. And then it's immediately right after this, he starts talking and, and it's almost like it doesn't go together. But you have to understand, he, he's still writing here. And we can sometimes pull this scripture out of context and, and just, we, we, we go past those and we go right into, well, every good and perfect gift is from above. Praise the Lord. But what is he talking about? Every good and perfect gift. I love the Amplified. It says every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. Every good gift, good gift. We're good gift here. The best way to define it is a treasure that exceeds. Every treasure that exceeds. And then every perfect gift. What's a perfect gift? It's a gift that has no defects. Something that's perfect is not missing anything. Something that's imperfect is it doesn't need anything else to be better. It's already perfect. So don't be misled, my beloved brethren. Why? Because their every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. What is his, his word is a lamp unto our feet. A light into our path. What did Proverbs 6 say? It tells us, why do we need to bind it around our neck? Why do we need to keep it? Why? Because it is, it is a, his commandment is a lamp and his law is a light. Right? So that it keeps us from that woman. Or the thing that's trying to lead us away from God's best for us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the father of lights. Now, if we look at the word father, the word father, a father is an originator, Vic. Mm -hmm. They're a creator. They, their intent, a father is, his intent is to make someone like himself. He's the father of light. So, so not only is a father, he is a distributor. A father is a distributor. So he's the originator and he's the distributor. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the father of lights. Then it tells us this. It says, in whom there can be no variation, rising or, sh or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. He is light. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He is light. He's the originator of light. And it said there's no shadow of turning. There's no variation, meaning there's no changing. There's no changing. There's no shadow. You know, why is there no shadow? Because light itself can't have a shadow. Light is what produces a shadow. See, there's no darkness in him. There's no shadow in him. He is all light. And his light is a good and a perfect gift. His light, his light. So don't be misled by, by wrong words that would entice us to be tempted. But instead, look up because every good and perfect gift comes from him. Now, what's every good and perfect gift? Now, let's look at this. 
because this is all in context, okay? I'm not taking anything out of context. But I really want you to see the context of what the good and perfect gift is. Now, verse 18 says, And it was of his own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth. Wow. He gave birth to us as his sons by the word of truth. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. What's he talking? It's the word of truth. Verse 19, he says, understand this, my beloved brethren. There he is, beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to offense, and to get angry. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. What do you hear? Words. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear what? The word of truth. What's the word of truth? It's, it's the good and perfect gift that came down from the father of lights. The word, this word, one, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh, the word. It's the word. So be slow to speak. Be quick to hear, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to take offense or get angry. The verse 20 says, for man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. What does that mean? Anger is a natural response. So what does that mean? Man's ways don't get God's results. See, it's his word and being quick to hear his word that changes me. Do you see that? It's allowing his word to sharpen you. Why? Because if I just respond naturally, then what happens is I'm not going to get the results I want to get in my life. And that's something we can take in our own personal lives. If you don't like the results that you're getting, then you need to change maybe how you're responding. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell you, we're, we're growing up. We're growing up. The word says grow up into all things to him who is in Christ, right? The, the pastor is, is to perfect the saints to do the work of the ministry, okay? So the way you, whether you see it or not in the spirit, there's some things being, being knocked off you, right? And what I'm saying at one point or another is going to come back to you. Oh, yeah, I don't want to give into that anymore. So therefore, I need different words because I don't want to keep making the same responses because I don't want the same results. Now, in verse 21, he really gets into the whole aspect of, of the good and perfect gift. Verse 21. So he says, because, because we see wherefore, you could say, because if I don't, if I need to change my responses, so I get God's results. So if I want God's results, then I need to do something. He says, because of this, wherefore, what does he say? Get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. So that means I've got to get rid of something. I need to get rid of something. So if I want God's results in my life, I need to separate myself from something. I've got to let go of something. It says, let get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And what? In a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive. So here, I've got to reject one, but I have to receive the other. 
And it's what your words you're receiving that either is going to bring life to you or bring destruction to you. So get, get rid of all the, your past words. Get rid of all the old things that shaped your pre- previous life. Get rid of all the things that may have shaped your idea about religion or shaped your idea about God or shaped your idea about life. And, and get rid of all the natural way of doing things and instead receive in a humble heart. Humble means teachable. Humble here doesn't mean, oh, woe is me. I'm just humble. No, this is with a teachable heart. Receive, welcome it. Welcome it. I mean, I need to welcome this word. I need to welcome this word every day of my life. I I need to treat this word so valuable in my life. I've got to receive it because as I receive this word, it transformed me from the inside out. It changes how I think. And as it changes how I think, it changes how I act. And as it changes how I act, it will change my direction. It changes my direction. It changes my destiny. But it all begins with what words are you listening to? And so often we want to see supernatural increase, but we keep listening to the same words. Meditating on the same words, but it says with humility and a modest heart, receive the word. Receive and welcome, amplify, receive and welcome the word. Now get this, which implanted. So the King James says engrafted. Engrafted means to make a part of. Implant means to make it a part of. So, so receive and welcome this word. Now get this. Why do I need to receive it and welcome it? Because when it becomes a part of me, when I receive the engrafted word, when that word becomes a part of me, rooted in your heart, what it contains the power. It contains the power. With a humble heart, receive and welcome the word. And when that word is implanted in you, when, it were, when that word becomes a part of you, it's not something that mama taught you. It's not something that you just heard the pastor say one time. It's not, it's not, it's not, a, one, it's not a one-liner. It's not some sort of statement you heard in the past, but it's now a part of you. When life ha- is happening, it's the word that's coming up on the inside of you, and it's implanted you, and it's that word. It's that word on the inside of you that's implanted in you. It says it has the power to do something. And it's interesting, it doesn't say it has the power to save your spirit because you can't save your spirit. God did that when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. But it says it's the power to save your soul. And your soul are your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your intellect. It's, it's the things that have shaped your behavior and how you respond. That's your soul. So when I get this word down on the inside of my heart and it becomes implanted into me, all of a sudden it starts changing how I think. It change, and because it, it's changing how I think, it changes how I live. So don't let anyone ever tell you, well, the word really isn't that important. It's just that we just need to focus. You know, Jesus was just a good man and we'll just follow. He's just a good man. And we'll just follow Jesus. And, and we'll just, and yes, follow Jesus, but don't let go of the power of the word. Because when you receive him and you receive his word, it has the power to transform, to set free, 
to deliver, make new your soul. Now, let me close with this. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Thank you, Father, for the word. I know this is a familiar scripture, but think about simplified. Connecting this to simplify. Simplify who you're with, and I'm with the word. I'm, I'm with the word. Verse 38 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. See, it's possible to receive Jesus into your life, yet not receive and allow his word to change you. If you've been born again 20 years, you should not be acting the same way you did 20 years ago. Because you know what that is? That you welcomed into your house, but you haven't allowed his word to change you. See, Martha welcomed and received Jesus into her. She did a good thing. And you're, you're, you're here today, and there's what, those watching by way of internet right now that, yeah, you've received Jesus. You even gave Jesus a place in your life this morning for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. But yet we can maybe find ourselves just like Martha here. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and what? And heard his word. See, Martha welcomed into the house, but Mary sat and did what? Heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part. What did Mary choose? To sit at his feet and do what? Hear his word. Who are you with? She chose the one thing that was needful. And what you see happening is Martha got frustrated. Why was Martha frustrated? Because she was dull. And when you're dull spiritually... You will get frustrated in life. And maybe Mary was dull as well, but Mary chose the needful thing. The needful thing. She chose that good part. Best way to translate this good part in the Greek is she chose the thing that would give her the advantage, Vic. Jesus, she chose, she chose the thing that would get, give her an advantage in life. Amen. So when we simplify our lives 
And we get with the word, you're choosing the very thing that will give you the advantage in any situation, in any circumstance. His word is life and it's health to you. Thank you for your word. In Psalms 138, you don't need to turn there. I believe it's verse 2. I'll close with this thought. The psalmist says here, he said, I, I praise you and I thank you. I think he says for like your loving kindness. And he says, you, he goes, you have exalted your word above your name. Now think about this. This, this is the psalm, the psalmist speaking and the psalmist is speaking on behalf of God. And he's saying, God, you've exalted your word above your name. Does that mean that his name is important? No. What it means is, is that God places all who he is on his word. That's how much God values his own word. That I will place my word above my name. And if my word doesn't match my name, then I'll cease being God. That's how much God values his own word. So let's us make a decision that we are going to value Jesus. We're going to value the written word. Because I'm telling you, it's life. It's life. The very last phrase of Ecclesiastes 10.10. You put that back up on the screen there, Penny. Thank you, Father. And the Amplified. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. If the axe is dull and the man does not wet the edge... He must put forth more strength, but wisdom helps him to succeed. Increase. Increase. The man that sharpens the edge of the sword, his, his, his word is his wisdom. And when you sharpen the edge with the wisdom that's the thing that's going to cause you to succeed. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you the word that challenges us. Holy Spirit, just as in Isaiah they prayed, they said, Lord, give them a heart to know you. Father, I pray that prayer over every person here, over myself, over those watching by way of internet, Father, that you would give us, Holy Spirit, give us a hunger for the word. Give us a hunger for the word. Father, I thank you this room is full of winners. I thank you, Father, this room is full of people pursuing after you. I thank you, Father, as they fall in love with the word. I thank you, they, more important, that they fall in love with you. They get to know you.
Lord, I just thank you, Father, for making us sharp. I thank you for moving any dull edges off of our lives. And thank you that you sharpen us. Sharpen us, Father. And as we get sharp, I thank you that it will cause every area of our lives to come up higher and to succeed and to increase. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise for the word. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Thank you, Father. God is so good. Hallelujah. I wasn't wait on this, but I'll, there's a, I do have another assignment after we're done the book of John, and we're going to start this in the first of March, and what I'm going to, what we'll call this is we'll call it New in 30, and so the challenge is that we're going to read the New Testament in 30 days, and so we'll put something up online that will give you a, a reading plan on how to do that. And, you know, I mean, there's 5,623 words in the New Testament. If you, read, uh, if you read for 30 minutes a day, you can finish the New Testament. If you can read so many words a minute, you can finish the New Testament in 30 days. That's reading 30 minutes a day. And so a lot of times you look at things and you're like, well, that's just, that's just, that's just I, can't, I could never do, do that. Yes, you can. You spend that, long, that much time watching TV. You know, I'm just, I'm just, because it's the word, it's the word that's going to, is, is going to, is life and health. It's the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. Amen. Some of you are like, I could never do that. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. We're going to do it. Amen. Amen. And, and it's not, please, it's not about, I, you know, I marked this thing off my belt and I, hey, I read it in 30 days. That's not the point. The point is, the point is making the word a priority. It's the heart behind it. It's not the action itself. It's the heart behind it. Okay. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet.